Uh, it's a joy to be in the church that's full of leaders, and you saw that from the very, very beginning when Cecily starts to sing, because leaders, they step out in faith, and they trust God, and it's a beautiful thing. And actually, we're called to be those, the priesthood of all believers, we're called to be all of those that come to bring our gifts and our talents and our skills and our loves for God collectively together, not just to watch one or two people lead in, but to collectively get in behind it and to lead as well. So, so beautiful. Um, Helen, thank you for this morning. Thanks for team. It's great. It's great to be doing stuff together. Thanks for spilling over. Um, I was I was listening to I really like the Mary Poppins 2 soundtrack. Um, I'm a big fan of it. And um, as I was going home yesterday, Emily Blunt says this little line where she said, "Don't ruin a good adventure with too many questions." And um, I love that because sometimes it's the gaps, it's those little bits when you start going, "Oh no, but what's going to happen next? Oh, I'm not quite sure what's going to go on here." And you can ruin the adventure of life because you ask just too many questions about what's going on. And so often it's the gaps that God just loves to work into. I love the fact there's a community and as a church, that's the sort of church I want us to be. People who just see the gaps. We wait and say, oh, God's doing something here. I'm not going to ask too many questions and try and work it all out and turn it into a scientific exercise. I'm going to trust that following Jesus is a bit more like an art than it is a science. I'm going to go where he leads me and I'm going to follow and I'm going to trust in him. And that leads a little bit into, because we as a church, we've been in the book of Acts for about 52 years, I think we've been preaching the book of Acts, Um, but we're nearly through it. No, um, it's been a real joy um, to be using this book just to springboard us into what God's called us to as a community together. So if you're here for the weekend, if you're here for the conference, huge warm welcome to join us. And you're joining us at the very back end of it. We've only got a few more weeks left, Um, but we're we're in a chapter this week, and it's about Paul's shipwreck. And so the chapter is really called How to Survive a Shipwreck, How to Make Your Way Through the Shipwreck of Life. And um, I come back to that little bit about questions into the adventures that lie ahead. And actually, I'm just going to, I want to give a couple of punchy bits at the beginning. Then, Martha, you need to prepare yourself, because I don't know where you are, because these are so bright this morning, I can't see anything. Um, but someone's there. And so, Martha, I know you're there, because I saw you this morning. And she's, there she is. You came on joining the church this week. I love it. I love that we've got students and 20s in our church. And Martha came to join the church. And because you're looking in to join the church, what better way than having to join me on Sunday morning and try and help me out with an illustration? It's like an initiation, birth of right into being here, being embarrassed and drawn up. So Martha, in a minute, just got to get four friends to come and join you. And I need you to help me with the story that's going on. Um, But this idea about adventure... This idea about story is that there's parts when you are not in control. Does that trigger anyone? Does that trigger anyone sitting next to you? (laughs) None of us will ever say, I don't like being in control, but you might realize the person sitting next to you loves being in control. We breed the whole of our society on being in control. We love it, especially because we live in Britain today, and we feel as if kind of should be. You know, we've had a long time to get society working, and as a result, we should make sure that we're in control of all things. When you read the story that we're going to have in a little bit, you're going to realize that the majority of Acts 27 is a time when they are not in control, and they're having to trust. Now, the the way I could kind of define it is thinking, we don't really use sailboats anymore for big journeys and adventures that we go on. We would use motorized boats. Why do you think that all of a sudden people like to put motors on their boats and they don't want to rely on the wind anymore? Control. 
All of it is about saying, well, if the wind's not blowing, doesn't matter, engine's going to get me there. The wind changes direction, doesn't matter, turn the engine on, turn the wheel, I'm in control. I can get there through pure human strength, will, knowledge, science, we're going to get through this thing. We often don't like being in situations when we are at the whim of the winds and the rain and the elements and nature around us because man has continuously looked for ways to gain control into situations. That can bounce against a life of faith. It can. (laughs) Because the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So I wake up and I say, I put my faith in God's. Oh, but I've got a mortgage and I know how the payments are coming in and I know what time this is going to start and I've got a pension to lie back on and I know my diary's in place and I know that I've built up this support network around me and the life I live, I live by faith eventually in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Because we take ourselves out of their dynamic and element of faith. So often we are scared about what the wind and the waves might drive us to so we want motors continuously around us. And I just think, like, let's, I'm not saying throw away the motors. Don't overhear what I'm saying. I'm just saying sometimes God leads us into shipwrecks or he leads us into moments of life when the, the lights turn back on and you say, oh, I'm not in control. Oh, I'm not the master of my own destiny. Oh, I thought I could do this. And that is an okay moment to hit sometimes. The world and the Western world will not tell you that. It will want to say, no, no, stay in control. (laughs) Control everything around you. I just think that's where the beauty of when you open God's word, God's word speaks beyond what the culture would say to us. And it speaks truth into our hearts that goes beyond that that the culture would say. And that is is a joy to be able to find it. So we're going to use God's word to be able to do these things collectively together. So I'm going to get my bag of goodies. I've got pieces here. Martha, have you selected five or four victims to come with you? Have you got them? Come on, Martha, let's go, let's go, come on. Yes, give Martha a big round of applause. She's going to come and join us. Well done, Martha. Excellent, come on, come on. Have you picked really shy people that they'll feel awkward as well? No, well done, Martha. Did you just pick all boys, Martha? There you go. There you go. I understand. Come on then. Come and join us. Well, you're going to be Paul for me in the story anyway, so that's fine. So there we are. So um, don't worry about bits and bobs. Boys, go lurk at the back at the moment. Off you go. There we go. Perfect. It's a good place for boys. Um, so let's read this together. Rich, you got it. We got, we're going to start in Acts 27. So I'm going to read this through. And then, um, then we're going to draw out a few points together. So, when it was decided that they were to sail to Italy... Oh, and actually, let me just jump back 10 seconds. This is um, from the chapter before. So, Paul's on trial. And I, this is why I love Paul. And Martha is Paul for us. That's why she's got the furry scarf on. Um, <laughs> Agrippa said to Paul, Are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? This is a sort of cat. That's why I love Paul. And Paul said, I wish before God's, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. Paul longs for people to get to know Jesus and to follow Christ. He loves it. It's at the absolute center of who we are. 
first and foremost, before anything else, be obsessed with letting people know who Jesus is and people being like you and getting to know him as well. Let that be the primary thing that you love first and foremost. Just want people to know Christ, to be followers of him and all that they do. And so as a result, Paul then stands before Agrippa on trial and Agrippa says this brilliant bit at the end of Acts 26, this man could have been released had he not appealed to Caesar. So he'd appealed as a Roman citizen to be heard before Caesar in Rome. Actually, if you know anything about Paul, he wanted to get to Rome. So it serves his purposes to get there. So here we are, Paul, da-da, about to sail for Rome, about to get to the place that he really longs to get to. And it said, when it was decided that we were to sail to Italy, they handed over Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion named Julius. So I need a centurion first of all. Could you be a centurion for me? Perfect. Just stop putting the gear on here. There you go. You've got a hat, you've got a shield, and we'll take that. Perfect. You'll work it out. Okay. Um, Julius of the Imperial Regiment. When we had boarded a ship, so here we are. We've got a little ship for us. And I need you, first of all, just to sit inside this ship for me. Let's just kick these things out of the way. We'll be fine. We'll sit in there. Sorry, we'll get rid of that. It's all good. Do you want to get in the ship? Do you need to wear the hat? I feel like you're not fully committing to this role here. <laughs> the hat's on. There we go. Sorry. They're perfect. I didn't, I didn't pick that hat for no reason. It's a Roman hat. There you go. In you go. Martha, you got to, I promise you there's five of you in this eventually, so you're going to have to squeeze on the sides. <laughs> the budget did not stretch. So, you know, we went for the one-seater. It's fine. There's, it's going to be a shipwreck anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, when we boarded a ship of Andramatum, we put to sea intending to sail to ports along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, so I need my... Oh, Joe, you were very quick. There you go. You know there's worse ones coming. Well done. Okay. <laughs> In you go. When we put to sea intending to sail to ports along the coast of Asia, Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us as well. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and allowed him to go to his friends to receive him. So you're being kind to Paul across there. You're Julius. Okay, so you're being kind. Good. Martha's allowed to go and see friends. It's good. Um, after sailing through the open sea of Silica and Pamphylia, we reached Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. Now, I didn't want to get a second ship. Again, budget didn't stretch, so we're staying in the same ship. Sorry. Um, so now they're on to the second ship. But sailing slowly for many days with difficulty, we arrived at Synodus. Since the wind did not allow us to approach it first time, when all of a sudden their desire is being trumped by the conditions, the wind that surrounds them. And actually, I just wonder if at this point, could, who's sitting over here? Can you do me a favour really quickly? Can, I'm really sorry, I'm roping you in. I actually did get this, I've got wind. Perfect. <laughs> I've got that, because I need this for later. Um, Oh, PJ, you're too, you needed this up too much for me. Okay, and I'm going to plug it in, and apparently there's a plug. Yes. Are you sure? I don't know what you're unplugging. Oh, that's all right. Okay. There you go. You are the wind. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. We have the wind. I'm going to come this way, so I'm out there. Yes, good. And you'll see in a bit, we've got extra bits of it. Actually, just to check, you are the wind. Perfect. Okay. One thing I'm really aware is kids' workers always want to make a mess, so that's, that's fine. You've got to live with a mess. Exactly, never tidy it up. That's the genius. Um, 
So now the wind is, is going and we sailed along the south side of Crete to Salmoni. With some more difficulty, we sailed along the coast and came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lacia. By now, much time had passed and the voyage was already pretty dangerous. Since the Day of Atonement was already over, Paul gave his advice and told them, so Martha, could you stand for, well, sorry, Paul, could you stand for me? Here we are. You don't need to repeat this, but just, are you going to proclaim this thing? Men, I can see that this voyage is headed towards disaster and heavy loss. Yeah, good. Yeah, keep going with that. I like that. You can add that. Actually, go on, Isaac. You'll enjoy that job. I've got four buckets of that. Good. I can see that this voyage is headed towards disaster and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. You don't look very afraid, but it's good. Martha, tell them their, their lives are at risk. Since the harbour, oh sorry, but the centurion paid attention to the captain. So I need you to come and join. We've now got a captain that's on the ship. Perfect. It's on here. Come and you need to join the ship as well. We've got four. We've got three that's there. Good. Perfect. Coming across. The wind has just turned the pages of my Bible. Um, but the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of ship rather than to what Paul had said. Since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbour on Crete, facing the southwest and northwest to winter there instead. But when a gentle, there it is, it's coming through, a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they'd achieve their purpose. They weighed anchor. You've got a giant anchor there for me. The anchor's much bigger than the ship. But, okay, put that out of the front. Perfect. Anchor there. Weighed anchor. And sailed along the shore of Crete. But before long, a fierce wind. Get much closer with the wind. And let's really go and get much closer. Let's really put that in their faces there. The fierce wind is now really getting them. That's good. Sorry to the front row. Um, where did I get to? A fierce wind called the Northeasterner. It's always Northeasterners that are a problem, isn't it? I've realised that as a southerner. They rushed down from the island since the ship was caught and unable to drive along the head. We gave way to it and were driven along. After running under the shelter of a little island called Corda, we were barely able to get control of the ship or the skiff. And after hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship, fearing that they would run aground onto Cyretus. They lowered the drift anchor, and in this way they were driven along because they were being severely battered by the storm. They began to jettison the car cargo the next day. So this is, you're going to start getting cargo, you've got bits there, and they're starting to have to empty the ship of all of the weight that's on there. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. For many days, neither sun nor stars appeared, and a severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope was fading that we would ever be saved. Since they'd been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For last night, and final character, you've got your white sheet, an angel, perfect. For last night, 
<laughs> An angel of the Lord I belong to and serve today stood by me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you. That's going to be our first bit. We're going to come back to in a second. God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage because I believe God. Can you say that? I believe God. That it will be just the way it was told to me. But we have to run aground on some islands. When the 14th night came, we were drifting the Adriatic Sea, and about midnight, the sailors thought they were approaching land. They took soundings and found it to be 120 feet deep. When they sailed a little bit further and sounded again, they found it to be 90 feet deep, so it's starting to get shallower and shallower. Then, fearing that we might run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. Some sailors tried to escape from the ship. They had let down the skiff into the sea, pretending that they were going to be put out anchors from the bow and uh, from the bow. And Paul suddenly said to the centurion and to the soldiers, "Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved." Hold that in mind. You might already be getting there towards the end. Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And then the soldiers cut the ropes, holding the skiff. You've got a giant cutting device there. I found that for you. There you go. Give it a good old cut. Well done. Very good. Um, did you do drama GCC? No. Okay. Um, they cut away the ropes, holding the skiff, and let it drop away. And when it was about daylight, Paul urged them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have been waiting and going without food, having eaten nothing. So I urge you to take some food, for this is your survival, since none of you will lose a hair from your heads. After he said these things and had taken some bread and given thanks to God in the presence of all of them, and after he broke it, he began to eat. Sounds familiar. They all were encouraged and took food themselves. And in all, there were 276 of us on the ship. Helen, I, when I was looking earlier at all the pictures that were on there, there's about 276 fingerprints that I started seeing emerging that were on there. But when they'd eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. You can throw this bag away. There it is. Good. <laughs> when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but sighted a bay with a beach. They planned to run the ship ashore if they could, and after cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea, and at the same time loosened the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the winds and headed for the beach. But they struck a sandbar, they run the ship aground, so you're going to have to fall out of it now, you're going to have to turn it upside down. The ships run aground, the bow, the, the bow jammed fast and remained immovable, while the stern began to break up under the pounding of the waves pounding of the waves that are now coming here we go the pounding of the waves that are then getting them there the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners you need to get ready to kill the prisoners the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners um, so that no one could swim away and escape but the centurion kept them from carrying out their plan because he wanted to save Paul and so he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first to get to lands the rest were to follow some on planks some on debris from the ship in this way everyone reached safely the shore and that is God's word thank you that's right yeah thank you very much 
If you could leave the bits and bobs there, that would be really kind. You can leave it. You can, you can keep that if you're desperate to. Um, but... And in some ways, like, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of reading Scripture in full. I'm not really into just trying to get sound bites, fridge magnets from Scripture. I actually think the Word of God is the thing that shapes lives. And so the reason I read the whole chapter is because I just think that throughout it, there is truth. I don't have very long to unpack that truth, but Scripture unpacks itself when you spend time reading the Word of God with friends. When you teach children and you read them Scripture, you get them to know the book, the words of life, that will transform them and hold them, even if you're not around. You can get a Bible into a kid's hand. You can get them to understand and find a passion for it. The Bible is full of stories. I love stories. Let people know that this is God's unfolding story that they get to be included into. So let's read it and enjoy it for all that it's got. I'm just going to land. So I'm only going to unpack it on three bits and I'm going to finish there. Three points. Rich, can you just put the final bit on there? Those three points is this is how to survive a shipwreck. Number one, take courage, believe God. If you read verse 25, that's what Paul did. The angel appears and he says, I believe God. I don't believe the winds. I don't believe what the captain would say to me. I don't want to believe what others are full of fear around me. I believe God. So if you feel like you're in a shipwreck of life, if you feel that you're in a point in life where you think, I am out of control, your first action is to believe God. Trust in him. Of course, talk to friends. Of course, find friendship supports around you. Of course, look for coping mechanisms that are there. But first and foremost, get into a room with God and say, God, I need to believe you in this. I need, to, I need to hold fast in my trust in you. I don't want that anchor to waver. I want to know that you're the one that I'm putting my hope in. Number two is accepting that sometimes you must run aground. That is so countercultural. We are so risk averse in the West. We are so desperate to avoid anything where we might actually hit rocks. Sometimes you just have to run aground. Man, that's a hard thing to say. I'm a pastor of this church. And to say to some of you, you might feel like you're going to hit the rocks. That's okay. The rocks aren't there for you to fear because you believe God. But you can't avoid them sometimes. You just can't. You can't avoid having to run aground. And then this is the most beautiful bit, is when you do run aground, stay in the ship. Don't jump ship. Don't try and find something else to put your hope in. Don't try and find some other gospel, some other, some other palliative thing that will make you feel better. Don't lean into food or addictions. Don't lean into other relationships. Don't try and find the mini boats that you could just jump out of and find it in another coping mechanism. Stay in the ship. Stay in Christ. Keep your hope in the gospel because the absolute incredible part of the gospel is the fact that he runs aground so that you make it safely because you stay in Christ. He hits the rock. He dies. It's his body that's broken on your behalf. You make it safely into eternity. You make it safely to shore because he dies on your behalf. You stay in the ship. There's no other ship that will do that for you. They'll promise that they will, but they never will. They'll always disappoint. They might feel more cozy. They might promise you, don't worry, we'll get away from the rocks. But Christ says, no, I'm going to hit them. Andy said it beautifully last week when you're talking about suffering. Isn't it? The lorry. He goes through the lorry so we only have to walk through the shadow. 
It's that incredible bit. Christ is the one who breaks on our behalf. And he gets you safely to shore. So as a pastor, as your pastor, if you're part of this church, I say, please stay in Christ. More than anything else, stay in him. Stay there. Don't give up on him. He is our great ship. He's the one that's done it on our behalf and he brings us in safely to shore. I just, um, I said, Helen, I don't know if the, if the gang would just be able to just help me with this because I just want to redeem a kid's song. I want to redeem a song called, you know, My Lighthouse. And um, so interesting because it's so, you know, we just click into that mode. Oh, kid's song, just actions for kids. And sometimes we lose the words that exist behind it and we lose the truth that God might want to speak. And so I just wondered, could you just more like just, Rather than us all singing it, and we're not going to do actions, you know, that's, I know, sorry, sorry. But we're not at the moment, we're just going to take a second, and I just want you, just with the people around you on your own, just to thank God for the ship. Thank him that it's him that leads us safely to shore. And as we're in that moment, this is just a, 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 an attitude of thanks and praise and adoration and confidence again to say, God, please keep me in the ship. I know I've been tempted recently to jump, I've been tempted recently to, to get out, to try something else, but I know, God, keep me here. Hold me in you. And that's the, that, again, is the beautiful truth of the Christian gospel, is that God just doesn't ask us to do things. He also empowers us to do them as well. It's the incredible bit. He doesn't just say, come on, work a bit harder. Stay a bit stronger. He says, no, no, I've left the helper with you to enable you in the times when you say, I can't do it. Say, God, I need you to help me stay in the ship. I'm afraid. I'd love, to, I'd love to just jump into the sea and swim the other direction. Oh God, would you just keep me here? And, and again, the beauty in a room like this is you'll, some of you will know the room. If you know that you just want to pray with someone in this moment, you're so free to go and pray with someone. So encourage them to build them up. I'm 100%. I love singing, but I'm definitely not starting it because, um, yeah. Rich, yeah, good. Rich knows me well enough that I would love to sing. But we're just going to take a moment. So, Rich, do you want to just lead us in it? And then um, let's just see where we go and then we'll close.